Hoovians and Hoovians, and welcome to the Who A podcast here on Post Show Recaps, where we are talking Doctor Who Season 4, Episode 1, Partners in Crime. And of course, I am here with my always partners in crime, Melissa and Adam, the troublemakers themselves, the lawbreakers, notoriously so. Oh. I'm a good person. They're just always causing mischief. <laughs> Where did this narrative start? When did who who came <laughs> up with this? I I don't know if I can co-sign here. I mean, I feel like I'm here for it. It certainly sounds more fun than whatever Kevin's doing. So mm, that's true. Yeah, Kevin can sometimes be a bit of a square, but you know, I, sometimes you know we just we have to really pull him out of the out of his shell. He, he really doesn't like to go out there, but uh, we try. We try our best here on this podcast. I love the full reversal from at first being like, what do you, what do you mean? We're, we're, we're the rule breakers. It's like, wait, actually, you know what? Yeah. Kevin, you're a square, you loser. Yeah. Go do something. <laughs> I just had to pick up on Melissa's vibe. I yeah. really love to be a go with guy, but sometimes I don't know where I'm going with, you know? And so I just have to make sure I'm on the right boat. So I, I just like to be where Melissa is at all times. That's the, Adam's I think just that's what less like. experienced at turning Kevin's BS back on. Onto him, Back on, yeah, as I am. yeah, I've been doing that for years now. So it's true. Uh, I also love the idea that yeah, Adam is just saying like I'm just gonna follow the doctor, just leading into being a companion here as uh, our our resident actual doctor uh, taking the lead. I, I, yeah, I mean, I see no issue with this. I, you said that with a little bit of contempt in your voice of like, why am I not the one being followed? Like that was the subtext that I was picking up on from you. And yet, I don't know, it's it's Doctor Who. But, uh, you know, I think Melissa's the doctor, Kevin. I think you might be the who. I don't know. Yeah. Who, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, maybe some people are asking that. People who are now seeing us here on the main feed uh, for the first time who maybe aren't familiar with the show and what we've been doing behind the patron wall for uh, a couple seasons now. Seasons People who have listened to this first two minutes, like, when are they going to start talking about Doctor Who? Yeah, there we go. Transition. We might never. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, We're definitely going to be talking about this one because this is really, really fun. We're here, season four. This is where we're kicking off our uh, main feed coverage of Doctor Who. Um, And we purposely chose this season to do it because it's, kind of universally considered a real like the season that it gets like fantastic from start to finish which i don't disagree with um this episode especially partners in crime introduces well reintroduces i guess what is considered by many to be a top tier companion in donna noble um and we're gonna get into all of that uh normally we talk about any episodes we skipped, give you a quick rundown about why you should watch it or why you shouldn't, but we haven't skipped any. And spoiler, we're probably not going to because as mentioned, this season, really, really solid. And to start things off, I'm uh, going to ask, Adam, you've seen all of this before. So initial takes on the rewatch of Partners in Crime that kick off to season four. What are your thoughts? Kevin, I'm just so happy that we are in a place in the show where every single week I get so excited to watch our our episode of Doctor Who. Like truly, we have made it to the point of just just the most amazing episodes back to back to back to back. There are no misses coming up. I can promise the people that no misses coming up. We have an amazing companion. This is like the best. I got so nervous when you said stuff. that. Well, yeah. yeah, here we are. Uh, you know, one of the best companions of the entire series. I think, like, when I'm remembering David Tennant and the Doctor, I struggled a little bit early on. 
gone are the days of the struggle because this is just quintessential David Tennant stuff. This episode has one of my favorite scenes of the entire series of the <laughs> show ever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to say favorite forever, but like top five easily. Um, it's just so much fun. I'm like laughing constantly throughout this. I'm, you know, chuckling. I'm like smiling to myself. I'm really getting into the story. Um, plus I think that we have a really interesting business opportunity here with, with Adipose that I, I think that we should really consider going into this, especially because we have a doctor on the panel and I'm just assuming that all of the medical elements of this episode are 100% factual, no notes whatsoever. I mean, they use the word lipase, which I was pretty impressed by, so we'll get to it, but. All right. You heard it here. Medically accurate, uh, episode partners in crime. Uh, Melissa, now you're coming in from the other end of the spectrum here. This is your first time watching this episode, I believe, right? Like you're new to season four. You've seen particular episodes that we are all, I think, very excited to get to, but this is your first time watching partners in crime. What are your initial thoughts here? I mean, there's always that inside part of me that when everyone screams how much they love a thing, I'm like, oh, no, eh, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, Donna was wonderful in this. And so I I think I'm like beginning to see the bit because I think that there was some really good stuff in Runaway Bride. She's absolutely not like she's important in the episode four episodes that I've seen, but she's like very clearly not the like main highlight of that episode so i've always just been like yeah sure like catherine tate's great like I've, I've seen some stuff and liked it but i haven't had that like overwhelming oh my gosh this is why people love her and i feel like i got the first glimpses of that in this episode where i'm like yeah okay if this is gonna keep up i think that this dynamic is gonna be amazing and this is what i want from my doctor companion relationships i want them I don't a mate. You, you want just want a mate. Melissa just wants a mate. Yeah, I mean a mate, two mate. I'm not picky, but it's <laughs> I, the stuff that I love is when there's a back and forth. There's like an equality element to it. It's not just like oh, I'm the doctor who knows all the things and is the all powerful time lord, and you're the lowly human who doesn't know anything and is just like amazed by all my capabilities and whatever. Like, I love this pushback that we get from Donna and I love her contributing and like having the answer and like this moment at the end where she's like, just tell me what you need. And like, sure enough, she's got the thing and, you know, she's willing to push back. She's willing to speak her mind. And yeah, I just think that it's just so much more fun to get this kind of dynamic on the TV. So I'm really excited that we're here. I think for me rewatching this for my money at this point, I think this might be the strongest season opener that we've had so far. I mean, the first, the pilot episode, a bit rocky, you know, it was a lot to do. We, I, I think it was pretty solid, but there were issues. Um, New Earth is one we actually purposely skipped over because we thought it was like mostly okay. Um, and then we had Smith and Jones, which I think was a lot of fun, you know, a Jadoon platoon on the moon, but it wasn't like top notch. I, this episode I think was fun from start to finish, had some great interactions. I think Seth's Donna apart almost immediately as the type of companion she's going to be. There's so many pros to this that I think of what we've seen so far, not Counting what, for my money, is the strongest season opener of Doctor Who to come mm -hmm. soon. Um, and one of my favorite episodes, full stop. Uh, this episode, though, is really solid. But I do have a confession that I don't 
know if I've said previously in our older episodes that anyone curious can find on the PSR website. That He's was really drawing this out, really yeah. taking his time here. I, I am because I'm definitely saying it for the first time here. When I first watched Doctor Who, I did not like Donna. She ranked very lowly, like low on the on the scale for me. And listen, I will say it right now, and it's a rare thing for me to say, I was wrong. <laughs> like, boy, oh boy, was I wrong. I, I cannot tell you for the life of me why Donna didn't click immediately. And I think it's because at that time, especially, I was coming off Rose, and I was really high on Rose on my first watch. Martha felt like a stopgap, but there were things about Martha I liked. And then Donna came along, and I'm just like, who is this goof that's here? Like, what is happening? And, like, I don't know what it was, but, like, I had this, like, bias against her for some reason. And on subsequent watches, I knew everyone really liked her. And every time I said that, people were like, what's wrong with you? Um, and I'm happy to say, like, I've rewatched the series before. I've absolutely rewatched season four, and most recently a couple years ago, with my wife, who is a huge Donna fan. And, like, she was waiting for me to get these episodes, and I, so was I. And I was very happy, as, as she was, to, to say I was wrong. And Donna is fantastic. Adam, you, I'm certain, were <laughs> <laughs> ready to come at me before I admitted my fallacy here. I really was. I also don't want to let it slip by that you really loved Rose your first time through. I think that like, <laughs> that is an important thing that uh, conveniently got left unsaid in all of our many Rose discussions. Um, I don't know how that happened, but I was so, Kevin, I was so ready to come at you like tooth and nail here. I literally thought this confession was going to be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not super high on Donna on this rewatch. You know, something I really thought that was where this was going. And I was, I had, I was like sharpening the pitchfork. I was like <laughs> ready. I, you know, I had the torch out. I was so ready to come at you. And then I heard those three beautiful words come out of your mouth. I was wrong. <laughs> oh my God. Just out of nowhere, we get a, a Kevin admitting he was wrong within the first 10 minutes of the podcast. This is amazing. It's uh, historic. <laughs> and I just want to double down. You were wrong. So, uh, <laughs> Um, I love that awareness for you. Um, and I also really appreciate the honesty here because you had no obligation to come onto this podcast and tell us how just awfully wrong you were back in those days. Because again, you were really wrong, but you, you know, you came on here and you owned it. And I really, I think everyone really appreciates that. So yeah, uh, good, good for you, Kevin. I, I love this growth. Good for you, but we're going to really rub it in how wrong you yeah, were really wrong. wrong. Just, it's, I just want to really make that abundantly is, like, clear. It's fair in this occasion. Rarely is the case <laughs> that I admit it, but I, like after having rewatched and especially rewatching this episode now, Catherine Tate is so phenomenally good. She has such incredible comedic timing. And maybe that was the other thing is that I was just angry Kevin at the time and I didn't like comedy. I don't know. Uh, there might be also a timing thing. And I don't know if this is, this is correct, but it's definitely within the same time period. Uh, Catherine Tate was on The Office for a couple mm -hmm. seasons, and this is not her fault. They did not know what to do with that character, um, and like she was not very good. Like as a character, most of the characters in those seasons were not very good. I don't. It's not her fault, and so I think there was a lot of maybe like stuff happening at the same time for me in, in terms of that because like i was pretty much unfamiliar with her until doctor who in the office and i know now that she is like legendarily hilarious and just very well known 
Um, yeah. but I think I had yeah. some of that same though too. I think the very first time I watched her uh, in an episode of Doctor Who, I was like, okay, fine. Like very clearly distracted by other things going on in that episode. But I think it was Runaway Bride when I was first able to be like, oh, okay, this is like a different, this is, yeah, Catherine Tate with like some decent writing and storytelling behind her. I think so. Yeah. Definitely a very different version. And this is where some of the timey wiminess comes in too, because this was multiple years before she even appeared on The Office. And yet, oh, for sure. I think all three of us saw her on The yeah. Office first before we actually saw this episode. So, like, I, you know, I have I know. to, I'd be the very British listeners will to, come for us. They probably will, <laughs> but like, you know what? This is Doctor Who, British listeners. So, you know, what do you come at us? Uh, you know, Kevin already said he was wrong. So, you know, yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> what more uh, do you want from me? Well, yeah. What more could you possibly want? But I do think that's like part of the intrigue of this, right? Like, we have certain expectations of some of these characters that we've seen in other things even though they happened well and truly after like doctor <laughs> who actually happened for them so um just you know a little bit of the timey wiminess there that's more timey wiminess than happens in the entirety of the episode so <laughs> there you go well get ready for some i guess low scores on that front but before we get into it before we do the breakdown of the episode we're gonna take a quick break uh to hear what do we even say these days hear a word from our sponsors a commercial what are these things even called we live on the internet i don't have ads in my stuff it's very weird but capitalism capitalism but no (laughs) uh absolutely i'm gonna cut to one of our uh, sponsors an ad break and then we'll get into the episode uh after that so stay tuned and we're back we're here and we're gonna talk about partners in crime melissa kick us off where do we begin in this fun silly episode to say the least i mean the first two words of my notes are it's donna in all caps (laughs) all exclamations like yeah it's incredible so we see both donna and the doctor walking down the street and they're going into adipose industries they both introduce themselves as health and safety donna's attending a presentation where the woman says adipose industry is the 21st century way to lose weight no diet no exercise no pain just lifelong freedom from fat the holy grail of the modern age i had major aughts diet trend like trauma flashback from all of this i was like like I was a teen girl at a very bad time is all I'm going to say. <laughs> and like, uh, and yeah, I, I had flashes of like almonds for dessert flashing in front of my vision. Oh, for first. Okay. Listen, I, I will hear no almond slander on this podcast. I love an almond. They're a great snack. I literally have a bag out there right now of, uh, raw almonds that I just munch on whenever I need some sustenance, uh, for a little snack break. Um, so I, I will take none of that, uh, but I, I get it right. Like when you're in the midst of these diet crazes, it's a whole other thing. And I really do agree. There's like this time period, not that it's gone away, but this time period was so just like, Oh, don't you just want to lose all your weight and be like thin. And like, it's just created many a complex. I definitely have like, I think my own weight complex and it's watching this was like, Oh yeah. I remember how this they treated this stuff. Uh, that said, there's a number of reasons I might take a pill that does this, um, as long as I don't, you know, completely disintegrate, but tempting to have my own little adipose, but we'll get to that. Yeah, a kilogram here or there and these cute little guys running around? I don't know, could be worse. What's a um, kilogram? <laughs> 2.2 2 pounds. Uh, hey, that's a, yeah. <laughs> I think. Kevin, I have a whole bit about this thing, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so you just take one capsule once a day for three weeks and the fat just walks away is the tagline. Uh, the science correspondent asks about the science behind the video and they explain that the capsule has a, a synthesizing lipase. Uh, a lipase is an enzyme that breaks down fat. So this like, I was like, oh, that's like a word that makes sense in this context. Um, it breaks down triglycerides, which is a type of fat stored in adipose cells, which I was like, yeah, this all like makes sense. They like said a thing. Obviously, it's not going to result in like little alien dude walking away. But I was like, this is way more sense than whenever they try to do brain stuff on this show. I was like, maybe it's just because I don't know fat medical stuff as well as I know brain medical stuff. But to me, this was like this sort of tracked. So anyway. So what you're saying is where's our pills? This should they yeah. should have these. I yeah. think I just heard her say this is medically accurate. It's, ba it's yeah. basically the summary of what I'm hearing. Uh yeah, I think that uh Pusha Recaps is not responsible for any medical advice and you know, please refer to your doctor and read all the fine print. Um, you are a doctor. Yeah, exactly. This is not on PSO. I this am is not on you, a medical doctor. I how many times do I have to tell y'all I am the wrong, I'm the useless type of doctor. No, those anyway. are dead. Oh, I'm not going to finish that sentence. Less people come at me. You already <laughs> finished the sentence. What do you mean? Those are dead. Oh, I, I, who knows <laughs> oh, what I was going to say? <laughs> really left a shrouded in mystery. There, Kevin also, Brown, that sentence was going to. Dental care is very important for your like overall health. It's like a really it's, critical. It's true. It it's related to like heart health and all sorts of. And you should yeah. go to the dentist. Definitely don't ignore the dentist. For Adam. Years and years. <laughs> <laughs> You should also go to the eye doctor. The eye doctor is also a really good, like, oh, I, a really detector yeah. of other things going on. Eye doctor is huge. That's just three of us all wearing glasses. Big right? glasses yeah. podcast, yeah. Although I've not been to the dentist since I graduated college, but that's okay. So that was, like, last year? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> anyway, the woman explains, uh, you know, this whole thing about the adipose cells. She follows up asking how many people have taken the pills. Uh, and the woman says 1 million customers in London, but next week they roll out nationwide. Britain will be thin. This all felt just like very specifically targeted to the UK. And it's like the obesity issue in the UK. <laughs> okay. I mean, a lot of places that could use this. There was certainly a lot of that. I think um, a, a town near Robin's hometown in Indiana was the second or third, like overweight, like, um, city in the country at one point uh which is wild uh adam you're from the area i think it's evansville was uh oh is that really yeah. that high it wow. was i don't know if it still is but uh, a couple of years ago they're ranked extremely not a lot going on in evansville just you know no. sorry to the there is Indiana, a nut but... festival though so that's exciting <laughs> specifically almonds or like is all that nuts. oh, oh just, just yeah. all nuts okay now almonds is probably like top tier nut you know but that's we don't have to do that ranking hmm yeah, I mean, it's up there. Uh, we see a bunch of people answering phones at the Adipose Call Center, and Donna and the doctor are both taking a capsule pendant and a list of customers and kind of avoiding seeing each other. And there's this whole sequence of that. Uh, the woman from the presentation tells the employee she wants 100 sales per person per day. Uh, and a woman gives the doctor her phone number and she says, Health and safety, you be health, I'll be safety. Uh, and then it's it like says, a, "It's a good pickup line. I think yeah. that I think that has legs. That could work." Yeah, and, it, no, and then we get the little legs. the doctor gif when he's like poking out over the yes over the thing. This entire sequence is extremely fun. I think sets the mood right from the entire opening of Donna and the doctor essentially just missing each other a number of times 
as they're uh, investigating adipose separately. Um, it's a fun bit. I I thoroughly enjoy it where he's popping up and she's down and then they're like on different ends. You know, he's in the projector area when they're watching the video. It's extremely entertaining. Um, also, do you remember cubicles? Because <laughs> that was one of the things that stuck out to me. Where I was like, oh, cubicles, right? Offices. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. <laughs> As we all been like working from home for the last however many years. Yeah. Uh, so... Donna and the doctor each go to one of the customers. They've each lost uh, points without side effects. They lose one kilogram each day. One man explains that he gets woken up by the burglar alarm at 10 past one in the morning every day. The doctor thinks the fat is walking away through the cat flap. uh, And Donna plays with the capsule pendant. And the woman in the bathroom sees her fat moving. An alarm goes off back at the adipose and on a machine that the doctor has. And he goes running after it. The adipose woman tells everyone, someone to send out a collection squad to bring them home, and an adipose leaves the woman and like falls into the sink. Uh, yeah, we learn that uh, the adipose has been witnessed, and to activate full patho- pathogenesis, and so the adipose woman turns the capsule again, and another adipose appears from the woman in the bathroom. Donna goes to see if she's all right, but she breaks down into like a whole bunch of these dudes, and by the time Donna gets in, they've all left out the window except for the last one. The adipose collection team arrives with big butterfly nets, which I thought was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Donna and the doctor are each searching around, but the van leaves. Stacy's taxi pulls up, and he's all annoyed. Uh, and Donna says that she's gone. I listen. Here's the thing. Okay, look, this Stacy melting and bursting into a bunch of adipose is pretty horrifying. On the other hand, look at how cute those things are. They're <laughs> that adorable. Was one, I right. Know. That's. That's one thing I remembered from this episode from, like, the first time watching it. I'm just like, oh, my God, those things are so cute. How do I get one? I guess take a pill. But, like, adorable. Adorable looking. I, too, loved the butterfly nets. That, to me, was such a highlight of this episode. <laughs> because it was so overly serious from that. It's like, mm, send out the full, you know, team. The collection to, squad. The collection yeah. squad. They go out in the big trucks. They're out of the, you know, parking unit or whatever. And then they whip out of these, you know, huge armored trucks. They're in, like, full body, whatever. And they have little butterfly nets to, to pick these things up. Like, we couldn't have invested a little bit more in something of just a touch more serious. Uh, it's just so funny. My one complaint here, uh, I don't think, I don't know her name. What, Stacy? Is that what we said? Stacy. Yeah. I don't think that she bursted into enough adipose things like we saw yeah. like six like or seven of them <laughs> yeah and I, like I, I like you know i have no idea like how much i don't i'm not trying to speculate how much she weighs but like i think it's more than six adipose <laughs> if each of them is a kilogram yeah yeah like fair. i'm pretty sure it's more than six kilograms uh even though what what's that 2.2 2.2 so so 15 pounds like, yeah i think she's over 15 pounds is is my guess was that good math i don't think that was right it's close. Uh, yeah, I, I think that might be in off, that but... in that range. It's right there. Yeah, what? It's two. Let's say yeah. fifteen. About yeah. I yeah. think that's okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. Anyway. This, okay. Well, I'm just gonna say this right now. Part of my problem with this is I have no concept for how much a kilogram is. I like truly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, barely no, two point two pounds. I understand that, but I measure no part of my life in increments of two and a half pounds. Like they're. <laughs> When you go to the, when you go to the grocery store, you don't measure 
Because, like, so in Canada, we do Seven things weirdly. kilograms? No. Because it's, <laughs> like, we're very influenced by you all, but then we're also very influenced by, like, the UK and the fact that the entire rest of the world does it the right way. So, like, I know my weight in pounds, but everything else I do is in kilograms if I'm doing weight, right? So, like, if I'm measuring food at the grocery store or if I'm uh, looking at, I don't know, carrying capacity of an item or whatever, right? Um, same with, like, I know my height in feet, but I know distance on the road in terms of kilometers. And so it's only, like, my personal measurements that I know in your sizes for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um so I still have a concept of what like a kilogram. I and like I know this is we're, whatever we're covering a British show, right? So we uh, yeah, can, and the amount of like times here, but that they've done this the other way, where they said something about miles right early on, and I was like, this would not have been in miles. There was one time this episode that they said pounds though, and that is why I got so confused. Because did they I, mean like, money or did they mean? See, I don't even know. I <laughs> because well, it might have been the British pound, which I, is money. True. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is even more confusing now. The problem is, Melissa, if I say, oh hey, can you pick me up two kilograms of lemons, for example, you could come yeah. back with four lemons or 20 lemons and i would have no, no idea it would be like yeah. you could be like here's four lemons adam that's about two kilos and you're like well okay i i actually fully fully understand what you're saying and fully agree <laughs> like yeah i i would not comprehend if someone's just like okay i'm gonna go pick up two kilos of lemons i'm like is that a lot i don't i don't know no clue this uh, is how i feel when y'all talk about temperature by the way don't even get me started that's, on temperature. Temperature is the one that I think makes most sense. But fine, no, whatever. No, 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 <laughs> I am willing. Y'all talk about Fahrenheit, and you're like, yeah, this is whatever. And I'm like, I have no concept. Is that hot? It all sounds hot. Every single thing you say in temperature sounds too hot. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> say this one last time. I, I've I've done a whole rant on this podcast about temperature. Imagine heat on a scale of zero to a hundred. That's how hot it is. Exactly. You, that's all that, it takes. That's that it. That's only the only metric. makes sense if that is the system that you grew up with. Like, what does that makes, it's, what does 70% hot even mean? It means also, it's about, I would rate it about a 7 out of 10 in terms of how hot is it. But what is 100? Is 100 you're like disintegrating? 100 is hot as hell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> very, very hot. 100 is just crazy hot. Zero is crazy also, cold. There you go. Everything but I feel very hot at like not that high temperatures. <laughs> I can't handle like above 25 degrees Celsius. We don't know what that means. I, that's and nothing. I, that's a I nothing number. For you because right. I don't care because you're just stupid. Celsius to Fahrenheit 77. Okay, yeah, that's pretty hot. Yeah, that's that's pretty hot. That's 77, 7.7 7 out of 10. That's a pretty that's okay, overall. Wait, hold on. Hot. What is a hundred? This is not important podcasting. Why are we doing this? People <laughs> will not be happy. I don't know. I don't know. I asked myself that okay. at least once a podcast. Okay, but, okay so my question, 100 Fahrenheit. I just looked it up. It's yeah. uh -huh. 37 degrees Celsius. There's You're telling me the top of your scale is 37 That's for some no, reason? No, it's not. It goes higher because obviously places go higher. I've been in like South Dakota where it was in the 40s so what you're starting to get into like upper 100 like your system falls apart when you're like it's it's it the hottest it can be is at 100 no, no. oh wait it also goes everything higher. above 100 might as well be 100 for how hot it is yeah you know what the scale is the scale is hey is is it over 100 don't go outside yeah. that's the scale like wait, can you, it you get shouldn't higher? spend the entire day walking sure. around hot geysers spewing hot water into the air and oh, i really you needed a, you were so close i would i would spend it all day spe walking around hot guys not hot, hot not hot geysers <laughs>
let's get back to these adipose. We've gone fully <laughs> off track. They've been captured with their little butterfly nets. They've escaped pa- out of cat flaps, which is a thing. I only really knew doggy doors, but cat flaps is a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, I, again, I think this is more of a like a UK thing. I try not to judge. People have different things and different relationships with their pets, but like, keep keep your keep your cats inside. <laughs> oh, what if they want to wander around and like go too, for a little walks? Too too bad. Keep them no. inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. They will live longer. They will be happier and healthier cats if you keep them inside. I know this is an internet debate, but I'm on Melissa's side. Same thing with uh, dogs. Uh, I'm a dogs live inside person. And I know yeah, there's I a mean, lot of people. On, only monsters keep their do dogs outside all the time. Oh, I'm not saying all. I have no thoughts on cats. I mean, I'm allergic to cats. I can't really be, be around cats. But I, like dogs like to be walked and like go outside and play. Well, yes, yes. I meant like, you, uh, you know. Take it on a leash. Yeah, exactly. Have it on a leash. There, there's people who, and again, we're going to what was completely off topic. But there's like the electric fences, especially in the Midwest. You have a lot of uh, lawn area. You know, you let your dog out and they, they don't cross the fence, but they're just roaming out there in yeah. the wild. And for me, I'm like, oh, there's coyotes. So, you know, I'm anyway. Yeah, you really got to watch out for those coyotes. Uh, but for real, that is in fact the way that uh, the reason why I, yeah, like I've seen too many friends be like, oh, can you help me come look for my cat? Because like the coyotes got it. Anyway, this doesn't matter. The Adamus woman realizes that a capsule has been stolen and she spots Donna on the security footage. Uh, or we think it's Donna. Uh, the Donna's mother critiques her for getting in so late and for being unemployed, just goes on this tirade. Donna asks where her granddad is. He's up on the hill and she goes to visit him and look in the telescope to see Venus, the only planet in the solar system named after a woman, which feels like that can't be true. This this is a very, like... I don't think they would say it if it's not true. I I guess I am mistaking... easily disproven. Solar system and universe. I was thinking, so yeah, probably in our solar system. In our solar system, it is, is the yeah. only one. But I'm thinking, like, this is the world of Doctor Who. There's got to be another planet named after a woman, but no, that would not moons. be in our solar system. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Several of Jupiter's moons named after women that Jupiter slept with in the myths. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what we want to be known for. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, granddad says that humankind will get to Venus one day. Donna comments that he believes in aliens and asks if he's seen a blue box. Granddad said he wishes Donna would tell them what really happened. And he says she seems like she's drifting, but she says she's waiting for the right man, that she's met him and she let him fly away. Granddad says to go find him and Donna says she's tried. He tells her story of Donna taking herself on holiday as a little girl and Donna says she'll find him even if she has to wait a hundred years. Um, Girl, you're not going to live that long. I hate to break it to you. Oh, so. well, who, uh, listen, Melissa, we don't know that. I mean, yeah. we no, don't know at this point in the story without intervention from the doctor. I don't know. Um, I, Listen, I don't want to spoil anything major, but I'm all I'm going to say is that we still don't know that. Um. And I mean, very, the, her grandfather there. looks like he's 100 years old. So okay, can we just, like, it. shout out? Uh, can we shout yes. out Wilfred Mott here? Uh, Wilfred Mott! Uh, oh, my God. We what told a, you, Melissa, so you didn't much. even... Yeah, point it out here. Um, this is... We mentioned last week when we did Voyage to the Dam, this is the same little old man who worked that newspaper stand uh, that the doctor encountered very briefly. I don't believe they gave his name here, but his name is Wilfred Mott. Uh, revealed in this episode to be Donna's grandfather. 
Uh, mm. Will we see him again? Who knows? Mm. Yes. But uh, a fun little a fun little tidbit. I think he had a great scene here, and especially at the end, which we'll get to. So the doctor studies the adipose capsule and realizes that he's talking to himself, uh, which I thought was a poignant moment. Uh, Donna what and the a doctor. Sad scene that was. <laughs> right. Donna and the doctor are both back at Adipose Industries. The adipose woman reminds us that she's the villain with some menacing dialogue as she walks down the hallway. Uh, Donna's mom calls looking for the car, but Donna explains uh, she's whispering, saying that she's in church. Uh, we think that Donna has been caught in the bathroom, but actually it's Penny, the science correspondent saying all the results have been fake. There's something about the pills that they aren't telling anyone. Uh, the doctor is outside on a window washer platform, and here's the adipose woman telling Penny that Britain is a beautifully fat country, and she's traveled a long way to find obesity on this scale. Uh, the adipose woman explains the pill is the spark of life, that it attracts all the fat cells to bind them together and form a body. And the woman says her name is Foster, as in foster mother, and the adipose are her children, and she pulls one out of the drawer. Uh, that the adipose are made out of living fat. Uh, this is the scene I assume Adam is referring to. Uh, this is what I assumed as well. Where the doctor and Donna are both listening and spy each other from opposite sides of the room. And they have a whole silent conversation where Donna says that she was looking for the doctor and mimes her various activities as they realize the people in the room have seen them. And the woman says, are we interrupting you? Which is very funny. How spectacular was this scene? Like, I I am dying laughing here in the middle of my work days. <laughs> I'm watching this episode. <laughs> like, this is so funny. They're just going back and forth. And they, like, they give it to us quite a bit, too. Like, they don't cut this scene off. They don't cut it short. Like, eventually we do get that interruption. But they go back and forth, like, a dozen times, if not more. Oh, my gosh. Just the facial expressions. <laughs> Donna's, like, wide open mouth right at the beginning. He's just yes. like, oh, my God. <laughs> She just has a job and so big. And the that initial moment from the doctor is just like, what? <laughs> What's going on? I, I'm just in love with every single part of this. Like, what a way to showcase Donna here right at the beginning as she is getting to re-engage with the doctor. Um I'm not like the biggest fan of the, oh, we just like missed each other by a little bit so many times over and over and over again. Like it feels like it'd be a little too cute, a little too cheap, but oh my gosh, this payoff was insanely worth it as they are across from each other. Um, and then just the interruption too was really fun. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, get him or what. It was like, are we, are, are we interrupting you? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with every single part of this. Just give me, give me it all. It's very well executed and very well shot. I also had in my notes that of the dropped draw on Donna, like Donna and Catherine Tate, just to have her facial expression when they finally see each other is so good. And her mouthing words back and forth. Like that scene is absolutely incredible and so well done. And for me too, yeah, the cut, just the way that they did it, where she's in the middle of talking and then they both turn. And because she's about to try and point to them through the window to say something. And then they realize that they're all just standing there, arms crossed, looking at them. And they have seen them for who knows how long into this conversation, which is what's amazing. Because I think the thing that really works for me is that when you see this trope happen in fiction, a lot of times these people are having a conversation for far too long. And as a viewer, you're just like, how is the bad guy not noticed them? And so I love this subversion of just like, oh, they absolutely did. And I thought it's A plus, A, 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 A plus. It's that, and it's also like, and how long have they been just standing there watching right? this go on? Which is great. Yeah. So good. So the doctor and Donna run away. They run into the stairwell, and the doctor says, just like old times. 
Uh, Donna says she was looking for trouble, thinking that the doctor would show up, like with the bees disappearing. She says the Titanic flying over Buckingham Palace, though, that has to be a hoax. Uh, and it turns out that Foster has a sonic device of her own, so she uses it on the window washer machine and they plummet downwards. Uh, the doctor manages to stop it, but Foster cuts a cable and Donna falls out, holding on. Foster goes to cut the other cable, but the doctor uses his sonic device to make her drop hers, and then he grabs it. Donna says it's all the doctor's fault uh, as he gets inside the building. The doctor pulls Donna inside. Uh, she says, I was right. It's always like this with you, isn't it? And he goes, oh, yes. And off we go. And the doctor frees the science correspondent and tells her to leave. It's very also, I love the switch almost where Donna's like really excited that the doctor's here. It's like, I've been trying to find you. And then she's dangling off of this window washer thing stories upon stories above the ground and it's just like why did i do this this is all your fault and i think like this is the thing uh at the time again i was a very different human but like at the time i'm just like oh she's so annoying like she chased him and now she's complaining but like I'm, since a while now for you know previous rewatches it is like no she's spot on and i think this is the, one of the fun of things about donna and we see it in one particular instance that we'll we'll hit on for sure but she is not afraid to call out the doctor and i think that's what makes her so great is that everyone else has this like odd reverence for him a lot of the time i think we talked a little bit about it in fact in the last podcast but this like donna is just like no she she will call out his bs and it's kind of incredible well, and, and, and she holds him to a higher standard than I think that we see most of the other companions hold him to, whether it be maybe because of that reverence, maybe just his intellect, the stories that he's telling, the way he carries himself. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I can put like an actual, you know, note on why she holds him to a higher standard, but I will say one of the things that I love about this episode is how much work the wedding episode did last season did here. I think like mm -hmm. establishing their rapport, you know, putting them together as a pair, uh, letting Don to like have those early moments so we don't have to go through all of the explanations and all of the beginning stuff and spend 15 20 minutes on that kind of you know introductory material for donna we just get to jump right in where donna is like already on board she wants a part of this and i think you're totally right kevin it hits her pretty quickly just like oh yeah this is what this is <laughs> it's not just the you know going in the blue box and traveling around there's like real stuff is happening here uh okay. i made a huge mistake <laughs> but i love that like they have this moment in the stairwell where donna is clearly like saying this with a level of excitement in her voice of like oh yeah you are always like this this is always happening and he's like yep and she's along for it and then the like rapid switch to her being like this is your fault and unhappy and then she's back to being excited like the very rapid roller coaster of emotion she goes on in this is so funny and very like realistic of like yeah this seems this is both terrifying and exciting and so she's very much our vibe as she goes through this as well uh so we see the doctor and donna run into foster and she calls them partners in crime the name of the episode the doctor says he still has her sonic pen and asks for her real name and she says matron cophelia of the five straightened placid nursery fleet intergalactic class the doctor says she's a wet nurse using humans as surrogates. And Matron says that she has been hired by the Adiposian first family to foster a new generation after their breeding planet was lost. The doctor asks how you lose a planet, but she says the politics are not of her concern, that she's just here to take care of the children. Donna calls her an outer space super nanny uh, and asks about Stacy. And the matron says that in a crisis, the adipose can convert other body tissue, but it makes them a little bit sick. I loved this because I, that was my issue with that Stacy scene was I was like, 
there's more than just fat in your body. Like how's she in these little fat things? And then it was like, oh, okay, fine. Sure. Under crisis, you like convert other stuff. That, that part like isn't scientifically accurate, obviously. But I was like, you know what? At least you have an explanation. They're aliens. It's fine. It doesn't have to be scientifically accurate. Hmm. It's their whatever. So that's things, the so. part of it that doesn't work. That, that specific element of is like, that's the line. But no, and like I'm saying that it did work because they addressed it. They didn't just. Oh, like, it's okay. It does work. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, but like I, medically I, speaking, all the other stuff makes sense. And then this, like, that would be the biggest hurdle to. And no, it's just like the least <laughs> scientifically. The other stuff, they, hey, they used the name of an actual enzyme. I, the bar is real low, Adam. <laughs> I mean, I'm with Melissa. At least they offered an explanation for it as opposed to leaving it blank, which is, to be fair, what they did for a long time in the first early seasons especially. And also we're getting Melissa being just like, yeah, that works. This track She's so okay. on board with it. I'm kind of thrown. Like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm down. This episode's I mean, wild. Kevin's saying he's wrong. Melissa's accepting crazy science mumbo jumbo. We're we're doing great. I am I am willing to accept the rules of the universe that you are telling me if it's a weird alien thing and they say they can convert fat into babies fine my issue is when you try to take real world stuff and use it to explain weird things going on where i'm like that's not how that works it's a real thing that we know that we understand that's not how mri machines work for example we have those we know how that works if it's an alien mri machine okay fine then you can tell me that it's got different rules and it's got a whole different way of functioning and then i'm down for whatever the rules are so i just need you to like make it not earth stuff don't go into too much detail about trying to explain it and like make it internally consistent if you tell me the rules are a certain thing then keep to those rules i actually had this conversation recently on a on the severance media club because we watched eternal sunshine and the like the neuroscience of eternal sunshine is actually quite good but we were saying that the reason why it's good is because it doesn't actually try to explain all that much it just sort of says like oh yeah we like sever the whatever and you're kind of like okay sure that works like how you're doing that i don't need to know you don't need to tell us we don't need to worry about that but like the general concept of memories and like emotional memories being stored in multiple parts of your like all of that was sound and i was like so i don't need more details than that and i think that that's sometimes where doctor who gets into trouble is they try to give you like the really detailed how and i was like as long as you're consistent and you tell me like i don't know alien technology then it's fine don't don't bother trying to like explain the how in like crazy details of real world technology that we know that's not how it works so I'm I'm in agreement. I think that's like I th there are the like the rules, right? Like the I forgot that there's like words for it. It's like close to like the the known unknowns, but not quite. But it's about like the rules of the universe and like what's established and how things work. And when you contradict it or you do something nuts, that's where it, it bends. And I, I I feel like a lot of people would just be like, it, I hear this in comics all the time, where it's just like, who cares? Superman can fly. So therefore, anything can happen. It's just like, no, that's just that. That's not how that works. Like, you have to have some rules and consistency. It's like what you're trying to do. Just because this happens doesn't mean that, like, well, anything. Like, it's just, it just feels wrong and lazy. And I think I appreciate when there are the rules and you follow them. And you know, for Doctor Who, sometimes you have to let that go because sometimes they say if you change time, fucking space demons show up and. Uh, that's a thing but then never talk about it again so <laughs> yeah uh so 
this is uh she's explaining this about that they can convert the other body tissue uh the doctor says that seeding a level five planet is against galactic law and the matron asks if he's threatening her but the doctor says he's trying to help her this is her one chance if she doesn't call this off that he'll have to stop her the matron says she hardly thinks that he can stop bullets. Uh, the doctor asks just one more thing before dying. If she knows what happens if you hold two identical sonic devices against each other. She says no. And he says, nor me. Let's find out. So he does it. It creates this kind of sound wave, broken glass, and they manage to get away. The matron says that they are going into premature labor, which I thought was a gross way of putting that. Yeah. <laughs> should we should we talk about the quote unquote moral ambiguity here? Is there any moral ambiguity here of, you know, is is this a foster mother good, bad, evil? Do we hate her? I don't know, Kevin. Kevin's giving me a look like I'm a crazy person for even asking the question. I would like to submit this, just the general concept here, that if you are uh, farming or seeding, as they call it, mm -hmm. only the, the fat that people are uh, willingly uh, selecting themselves into a group to eliminate that, and then not killing them. That is a that's a big part of it. I'm just gonna right. put that out there. That is huge. That's big for the program. Don't <laughs> Turns out them, kind of critical. Yeah, if yeah. we don't kill them, I am just willing to submit that I don't know, maybe maybe there's something here of like she's not all that bad. I here's the thing. Um, the biggest issue is that I think it's fine if you're doing this and there's a benefit of like that person is losing weight as they want to cool and then like these little adorable adipose babies are being born that's mm -hmm. also cool what's not cool though is not telling them that's what's happening i think that's the problem like you're telling them one thing but then something else is happening and that's why we you know need some uh regulations around that stuff that's why they always tell you like you know lexapro may help blah 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 but it also might cause bleeding from the eyes and you're just like what like you have to sort of state the the uh the side effects i don't think that's an actual side effect of that but uh <laughs> weird way to compare adipose to lexapro <laughs> just out of nowhere um i don't know i this might be like a weird take i would certainly sign up for this if you could say here you go adam minus two point well, whatever pounds too. a day yeah. for how you know and it's just it's just to, again to be very clear I not the murder part like that is the <laughs> that's the part that like I cannot get behind but if we get rid of that I don't know and maybe the, okay the, I guess this is the crux of my question was your read of this character that she was going to just straight up murder everyone by eventually taking all of the non-fat parts too or do you have my read of the situation which is a very generous one for her of just like she was just interested in the fat and had no one you know gotten wind of what was happening or like figured it out it would have just been a constant stream of just the fat for however many she needed to get however many cute little babies it's hard because so she's got this line in the very next scene that comes up where she says like they had planned to do more but the first one million humans will have to do and then she's going to like basically try to kill all of those one million humans so it's like okay if she'd been able to seed all of them was the plan always to kill all of them in order to make as many adipose babies as possible it certainly feels like the correct interpretation to me but sure maybe there is like the tiniest sliver of a chance that she just wanted like one adipose from every single human on the planet i don't know yeah, I don't know. Feels like you're taking a risk out of on people's lives. <laughs> okay, but also the ship that we'll talk about at the end would not have been big <laughs> enough 
to house all of them had we that done like ten. Gigantic. No, 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 no. And they're so small. Also, they're space so technology. Tiny. I don't know. They're probably also squishy. Like so, they they could make multiple like, trips. Really get a bunch of them. Yeah. Mm, but like so inefficient to take multiple trips. <laughs> I mean, I they have to be a one trip kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. So. The freed science correspondent is going through the paperwork, gets tied up again, which I thought this like repeated like her getting captured yep. was very funny. Um, Donna says she likes the idea of hiding in a cupboard, but the doctor found the computer core running through the building that he can get into with the sonic pen. This is when the matron talks about the inducer uh, and the doctor electroshocks the guard and wires the inducer. This was the moment where I was like, he definitely just killed those guards, right? And he's like, that'll put them down for a minute. And it's like, no, I think you just straight up murdered those two. <laughs> that was you just, very just a intense. small shock. Just a little shock. <laughs> yeah, he was, was talking gonna... about it very casually. And I was like, that was not a like chill, put them on their back kind of moment. Yeah, they're dead. 100%. Yeah. Without question, they're dead. So I don't know. You tell me. One of them's trying to get you know the, a fat away from a bunch of people. And the other one's just murdering people. So I don't know. Well, Doctor murdered more is... people than uh, the foster mother <laughs> did this episode. The, the initial shock... Uh, killed them but then the continued shock restarted their heart so maybe that's what happened it's just you know since electricity can do yeah, both yeah i'm the one that has the generous read of this uh of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh donna says that the doctor looks older and asks if he's still on his own to say this to someone after only like what a few months uh, that he was with martha is quite rude <laughs> i gotta say <laughs> I mean, I think he he was. We don't know exactly how long he's been flitzing around either. So he could be older. He could be okay. a, a there while. There could be like a period of time on his. Yeah, own. there's always the like you don't know what happens between certain scenes of Doctor Who, and sometimes there's like books or audio plays or like comics that fill in those things. So it could have been a minute. He could have been alone for a little while. Okay. Uh, the doctor says that he had a friend Martha that she was brilliant, but he destroyed her life and that she's gone. Uh, Donna asks about Rose, and the doctor says that she's still lost. The doctor says he thought Donna was going to travel the world, but she says it's easier said than done. She had that one day with the doctor, and everything was going to change, but she woke up the next morning, and it was the same old life, like he was never there. She tried. She went to Egypt, but then it's all bus trips and guidebooks and don't drink the water, and two weeks later, you're back at home. She says it's nothing like being with the doctor, that she must have been mad to turn down the offer to come with him. Doctor says, you're coming with me? She says, oh, yes, please. He says, right. It's this kind of this, like weird back and forth there. Uh, the matron starts the inducer and says, happy birthday. One million birthdays. <laughs> so many birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> Too many birthdays. Yeah. These mummies and daddies better get ready for a lot of birthdays. And by a lot of presents, like every year. <laughs> a lot of joint birthday parties uh, in yeah. the future for these kids. Not, not a lot of joints in those adipose babies, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Donna's mother is out for food with her friend who had taken the adipose and she starts to have this like weird back lump as an adipose breaks out of all the people who have taken the pills. Uh, a car runs over some of the babies just in the road, which I thought was really like <laughs> the saddest part of this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the adipose are all just like walking down the street. The matron calls for the adipose to come to her. The doctor says so far they are just losing weight, but the matron will use emergency pathogenesis and a million people will die. The doctor uses the yeah, capsule. There you go, Adam. <laughs> this was uh, this was all the doctor's fault, really. If he would have just not stuck his nose <laughs> where it didn't belong, I don't know. It, what? It was an emergency situation. It was very clear that this was not Plan A. <laughs> this was yeah. Plan B, maybe or C. 
Um, can I say the one thing that did bug me? Um, so pathogenesis is the like manner of development of a disease. So I was like, this is a weird word. Like maybe I miss hearing this, but I, I kept hearing pathogenesis like over and over again. Uh, and I was like, parthogenesis, is that a different thing? Is parthogenesis a thing? I don't know. I'm again, I'm not a real doctor. Uh, oh, parthogenesis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Parthenogenesis is a reproductive strategy that involves development of a female gamete without fertilization. Okay. Boom. Interesting. There you go. Look at some I science. Mean... <laughs> occurs commonly amongst lower plants and invertebrate animals like aphids, ants, wasps, and bees, and rarely among higher vertebrates. Is an well, adipose baby adipose... an invertebrate animal? It... They definitely have no vertebrate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely invertebrate. So... It's a natural form of asexual reproduction in which growth and development of embryos occur. Okay, okay. It's a bit weird. It's maybe like, it's not like budding. Um, interesting. Okay, I dig it. Uh, how that. some animals have quote unquote virgin births. There you go. <laughs> All right. Okay. And okay. some people, if certain things are to be believed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're really going all over the place. <laughs> we are. Listen, he mentioned last episode that he took the last room, okay? So Doctor Who is setting precedent for talking about that. Uh, so the matron doubles the strength. Uh, this is when the doctor's like, they're all going to die. Donna asks if there's anything she can do, but the doctor says it's beyond her. Doctor demand Donna demands that he tell her what he needs, and he needs a second capsule to boost the override, but he only has one that he can't save them, and this is when Donna holds up her capsule. The doctor shuts down the inducer core, and the adipose stop forming. Uh, I loved this moment of Donna, like, having the exact thing that the doctor needed and being like, stop underestimating me. Like, I could be useful here. You don't know. Just communicate with your words what it is that you need right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did like that. My one, like, small complaint here is Donna really wanted the doctor to know that she was capable of doing this and did not just be like, oh, would this help? Like, there, there millions yeah. of people were about to die and she was just sitting on this waiting for an invitation for it to be useful. Uh, yeah, which and it then was, they, like, celebrate like, for a moment and yeah, they're like, is they stare into each other's eyes. And it's yeah. like, okay, a million people are about to die. Maybe we, like, you know, get moving here. <laughs> but Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was great. Uh, is everything guys that's you, you know you gotta wait yeah, but they're not even moment. in love this wasn't even like a romantic moment okay if this was like no, I, I love and i don't that. want I, it, I, I, it must better, say, no, no i agree i agree i agree but it also makes it like less useful like if this were a different companion like if this were rose and it'd be like a big romantic moment i'd have been like oh just kiss there like come on what are we doing here take this moment for yourself because it's donna why are we staring into each other's eyes for like 10 <laughs> seconds before we save humanity like i don't this understand so excited to like be yeah. working together Together and like have this new as new partners in they're crime. in sync right now they had the thing they had the thing that the other one needed it's a moment in a, in yeah. a fun way it's cute people were dying <laughs> according to you they were not yeah <laughs> wow. the science those. correspondent asks what happened and the matron says she thinks the doctor happened uh but they still made ten thousand adipose and the nursery is coming her lift home a spaceship appears. Donna's granddad misses it completely looking at his yep. telescope. Uh, the doctor says it's a nursery ship and the inductor core uh, has an incoming signal. Instructions from the Adiposian family. The matron addresses the Adipose saying that she's taking them home, that far across the galaxy their new mummies and daddies are waiting and they will fly. The beam comes down from the nursery ship. Up you go, babies. Up you go. <laughs> As the Adipose float up into the ship. The doctor says, we're not the ones in trouble now. She is. And he and Donna run. 
The patron calls, take me, the children need me. Donna asks the doctor if he's going to blow them up, but he says the adipose are just children. They can't help where they came from. Donna says that makes a change from last time, that Martha must have done him good, and the doctor admits that she did, and that she fancied him. Uh, Donna calls her Mad Martha, Blind Martha, Charity Martha, and Adipose is waving goodbye as it floats up, and the doctor says it sort of works as a diet plan, and spots the matron as she floats up. The doctor calls for her to listen to him, but she says if she never sees him again, it will be too soon. Doctor says, why no one ever listens to him when he's trying to help? And tells her to shift the levitation beam that he's seen the Oedipusian instructions and they know it's a crime breeding on Earth, so they want to get rid of their accomplice. The matron says she's far more than that. She's nanny to all these children. And the doctor says, exactly. Mom and dad have got the kids. They don't need the nanny anymore. And the beam turns off and the matron plummets back down to Earth. The nursery ship takes off with all the Oedipus children. Brutal. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, part of this was very funny in just her, like, this, yeah, like, weird, like, nanny vibe that she's got over, like, all of my babies. Mm-hmm. I raised them. I brought them into this world. I have claim to them. And it's just like, ooh, you're gonna have trouble with those parents. And sure enough. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't totally know this whole, like, we did this illegal thing, so now let's get rid of the one person that we could blame it on. I don't know if that's, like... But they're hoping to just like fly away still and is illegal. she never speaks to anybody. Yeah, yeah like it's I, still legal. Like they would still be, I feel like they'd still be responsible for it. The one thing I did well, really like this episode was the mention of the shadow proclamation. She did a, yes. you know, mention that there, which was very fun of like, you know, some kind of body or whatever that's enforcing the law. All, before then, all we've seen was rhinos, but, uh, <laughs> you know. That, well, I wonder if that's going to come around again at all, ever. Probably um, not the worst. I'm going to binge never. this entire series just so that I can, <laughs> I don't like, see, Melissa, unfortunately, there's like 10 more seasons of it. I like, I really yeah. don't, I don't know. I don't think you there's are. There's a but, lot. No, I'm uh, definitely not. <laughs> there's a reason yeah, I, why I made it a significant chunk of the way through and then stopped. It's <laughs> just only so much. Uh, I, yeah. I, I will say, I, I think what it is, is that like, probably plausible deniability there may not be evidence enough that like they hired her or whatever that they're smart there's no like contracts they can follow so this person could have been acting alone and then if you eliminate them they can't flip on you so there's there's things i've i've been watching a lot of psych and monk and uh and columbo and poker face so like you know there's the the, the criminal maneuvers i'm I'm, i kind of got a feel for just based on all those shows you always got to kill the accomplice okay uh, the science correspondent is still tied up to the chair and says that she will report the two of them for madness. Uh, Donna says some people just can't take it and some people can. She seems all like uh, happy with herself in that moment. She pulls him towards the TARDIS and realizes it's by her car. That it's like destiny that she packed ages ago just in case for hot weather, cold weather, no weather. And she starts piling boxes. The doctor questions the hat box and Donna replies, Planet of the Hats, I'm ready, which was like the line of the episode for me, I think. Uh, Donna asks if she needs injections. The doctor stands there watching and Donna notes he's not saying much. The doctor says it's a funny old life in the TARDIS. She asks, you don't want me. But the doctor says he's not saying that. Donna reminds him that he asked her and asks if he would rather be on his own. But the doctor says, no, actually no. But last time it got complicated with Martha and he just wants a mate. Uh, this is when Donna hears, you just want to mate? You're not mating with me, sunshine. The doctor tries to clarify, and Donna says she's not having any of that nonsense. The, the doctor is just a long streak of nothing, alien nothing. Uh, she asks if she can come, and the doctor says yes, that he'd love it. They stop short of hugging, and Donna realizes she still has her mom car, mom's car keys and runs off. 
and the doctor starts carrying her bags into the TARDIS. This is a delightful scene. Like, one, him, like, reaching down and slowly picking up all her bags to take them in is fantastic. But it also really does set the tone of, like, what their relationship is going to be like. And talk about, like, uh, honestly, like, a, a breath of relief. Like, a nice breath of fresh air from the the love story that was Rose and, and to the unrequited love story that was Martha. To just have mates to have friends i think in the tardis is really cool and really fun and that really plays out i think fantastically well throughout the season yeah i certainly agree i am not opposed to the love story uh whatsoever i love love if you will i'm i'm famous for loving love uh but i think that having all different types of relationships represented there is uh, very important and i think it adds something unique that we we just haven't seen yet in these in these first couple seasons so uh, i'm i'm so excited to, for where it goes I think it's also important, uh, you know, in storytelling to have a like a, a, a mixed gender relationship that is just friendship. Um, too often, it's just like there's always romantic tension between the two or romance develops. And I think it's important that you can just have friends that are of different genders and it's OK. Um, you know, we just to throw to a recent movie I saw. I thought the D&D movie this, did this fantastically well, where the two main characters uh, no romance between them at all and they were just like friends and it worked really really well and and i thought that's great and i i think there needs to be more of those types of stories in fiction because obviously it, the other way influences a lot of toxic masculinity and certain types of people um that, that is not good so i really appreciate especially again in retrospect here right like this this idea of like friends on the tardis um and it won't be the last time we see that either which is really great yeah, I really like it. Uh, Donna tells her mom that she's going away and leaves her mom's car keys in a bin. She has to go. She tells a woman to tell Sylvia that it's that bin there that she'll understand. And the woman turns around and it's Rose. She walks off and disappears. Donna runs back to the TARDIS and says, off we go then. The doctor introduces her to the TARDIS, bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. But Donna says she knows all that bit, but frankly, he could turn the heat up. The doctor asks Donna where she wants to go and Donna knows exactly the place, two and a half miles that way. TARDIS spins past Donna's granddad and Donna waves at him and the granddad cheers for her as the TARDIS flies away. This, well, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we see Rose here. Isn't that uh, peculiar? Odd. I'm sure it's just uh, won't come back at all. She mm -hmm. just shows up for a second, disappears into nothing, like quite literally disappears. Uh, and then that's it. We'll just never talk about it again. Nope. Um, very intriguing setup, I think, that is, like, look, for, for all the feelings that I might have later when we discuss all of this, I think it's a great, intriguing setup to cap this episode, reintroducing Rose, who's been gone for so long, and leaving a lot of questions. But also, this ending with Wilfred, I thought was so great. I love that when he sees the TARDIS, he starts calling for Donna, because, like, she mentioned yeah. it to him, and I thought that was really sweet, and then he sees her, and he's so happy for her. I love this character. There's many a reason why I love this character, but... This scene is, I think, delightful. It's such a sweet little ending, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was cute. Uh, I'm very down for uh, heading into this time with Donna. I, I heard, like, I think her mercurial, like, back and forth uh, thing is, it's going to be interesting to track, because, like, right now, I'm, like, hugely entertained by it. I think it could get old very quickly <laughs> if like, okay, <laughs> man, you are high maintenance as hell and so I, I i'm curious to see how i feel about it going forward uh but i do love her just like 
uh, you're not going to mate with me, sunshine. It's just like such an iconic line that it's truly quite perfect. And it's very funny that she like so quickly goes from that to be like, but I can't come, right? Like she like very quickly (laughs) goes back to that. Uh, who knows? Melissa might end up as Kevin was in, in his way back, and then uh, a couple years later, she'll have to say she's wrong about Donna. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, great kickoff to this first episode. Um, really excited uh, about where we're going to be going from here, especially with the next episode we'll be covering. But before we get into that, there's some things we do on this podcast. One quick recap of continuity threads to pay attention to. Of course, there was Donna's mention of the Titanic, which is from Voyage of the Damned. Uh, Wilfred Mott, as mentioned, uh, will be important, uh, as you can see, as Donna's grandfather. So he'll be showing up here and there and was previously the newspaper man. Um, and then Rose, obviously, big thing. Uh, and as mentioned uh, by Adam here, the Shadow Proclamation, which is something we'll hear about, uh, maybe not fully this season, but will be things that will be coming about throughout. Um, anything I missed uh, in terms of continuity-wise? I think that's probably the key things to point to. Um, I just had one thing that I think is maybe worth you know, thinking about uh, this idea of multiple sonic devices. We have, mm. uh, you know, uh, seen some alien tech before, but it is a, you know, certainly was for the gag, right? There's no way she can get us up there unless she has a sonic device flash to, you know, she has a sonic device, but uh, there's not a lot of sonic devices going around these days. So, uh, you know, just uh, something to be aware of, but uh, you no, know, I, I think those are the main things. Quite a bit of, of continuity stuff in this episode, though, as we open up a new season. Mm-hmm um all right so next up let's hit some feedback we love feedback and you can send us feedback uh either on the discord if you're a patron member or send it to kevin at postshowrecaps.com and we will have adam read it out loud on this podcast which we're about to see right now adam what do we got yes uh we love getting feedback here so from the amazing emily this episode had a bit of a slow start but as soon as the doctor and donna reconnect the episode is just so much fun for the rest so glad donna is back she had the best lines of the episode um and uh, uh, sarah lancashire was great in her role as super galactic nanny and the little adipose fat being uh were totally creeptastic is the word that she uses very glad that the doctor has a mate a mate to travel with this season <laughs> very excited for volcano day next as it said in the uh, uh next episode at the end of the episode so there you go uh pretty high in the episode overall creeptastic is that how we would describe the little adipose uh adorable <laughs> is where i'm going here <laughs> okay no not so much of the creep was there any kind of creep are they supposed to be creepy do you think I don't know. How do you how do you it's make like, it look like that? They're a tiny <laughs> bit creepy knowing that they're coming from like your own body is like there's like a level of body horror to that that like adds a little bit of a creep factor maybe. Oh, look okay. at their face and their little like one their little, little like snaggle tooth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh okay. Uh from Daniel, this is easily <laughs> my favorite episode. Whoa. Uh, followed closely by midnight he says uh and let me just say i'd be tempted to take the adipose pills even after knowing how this ends i completely agree with you daniel uh the donna and doctor heads popping up like lemurs is hilarious uh the windows scene my absolute favorite um i first got into doctor who because of catherine and tate they are so brilliant together uh more running down corridors Uh, i love the little uh the cute little adipose waving at them while they're being beamed up mad martha that one blind martha charity martha (laughs) the running gag of the reporter tied to the chair is just right i want a mate 
big uh, emphasis. Uh, a mate, uh, you just want a mate. Uh, best uh, comic line in the series, he says, uh, and love mm. that she hid the car keys in the trash. So overall, again, pretty high uh, on the episode. Yeah, the uh, what, what's interesting. Oh man, there was something there that was said that now I'm just like, oh, is that something that we should point out? But you know what? Never mind. We'll we'll just we'll just carry on. From Todd, it's Donna time. Full confession. Uh oh, I wasn't necessarily a fan of Donna in her first appearance. Oh, not on his first watch, Kevin. Don't get too excited. No, uh, I was about to be like, I'm not alone. <laughs> in her first appearance, I was kind of dreading getting to her as a companion on my original watch. But this episode turned me around almost immediately. If nothing else, I was a super happy to get a companion with no romantic interest in the doctor. I too just wanted the doctor to have a maze and Donna wound up being a great one. As for the plot itself, they just keep missing each other, but is something uh, that often annoys me in media. I agree with that. But in this case, it worked because it was, uh, you know, contained to just a portion of the episode and because the moment when they do finally connect is perfection. Yeah. That scene is so good. Um, Donna being both comic relief who bounces well off of uh, Ten's goofiness and someone who can be surprisingly effective when she puts her mind to it is uh, another reason she's my favorite companion, he says. I remember not caring for the adipose of it all on my original watch, but it works a bit better for me this time around, even though the alien race's name is a bit on the nose. <laughs> In this show? What? Yeah, I mean- <laughs> <laughs> it does seem uh, uh, very on the nose, on the adenose, if you will. Uh, and finally, from uh, the Bill Hall on this episode, love this intro for Donna into the series proper. I feel like this special showed a promise, and here we establish what a great companion she can be. When Donna and the Doctor finally spot each other, the physical comedy is top-notch, and the cutaway to everyone watching them is genius. I love the A-mate slash two-mate bit at the end, and the delivery of, you're not mating with me, sunshine! Uh, (laughs) I appreciate Donna asking the Doctor if he's still alone about Rose and Martha. Their relationship immediately feels more honest and direct with those uh, uh, than the uh, previous companions. Totally agree with that. Finally, I had forgotten about Rose popping up at the end here and then popping away. Uh, I love that uh, Doomsday theme music callback when she turned around. Anyone else notice that as well? I'm so excited we are here. Totally agree uh, with all of that. Absolutely. I did not notice Doomsday music. That's actually very, very fun. Music has, as we've mentioned before, especially in season three, a very big part of the show. And I, I, I love what they do uh, with certain themes that show up here and there. Um, all right. As mentioned, send us your feedback. We'll take feedback from previous episodes we'll take feedback from the episodes we're watching currently and we also really want your ratings as we are rating every episode we watch on a scale of timey wimey and wibbly wobbly one through five uh wibbly wobbly being the plot of the episode timey wimey who knows there's a difference in opinion <laughs> there but consider it the other parts of the episode i guess or the time travel whatever you want to put timey wimey as um we're taking those ratings in and then we're putting ours and ranking them all ultimately we have some rankings running we'll go through them probably closer to the end of the season to see where we are but for now we're going to talk partners in crime rankings and melissa what do you got so wibbly wobbly i'm giving this a three this is like a really solid doctor who episode i think that you know it's certainly not all-time iconic for me in terms of the like plot itself but there was just so much good like dr donna interaction that i really love so uh yeah just like a really solid episode but just saving those like top tier numbers for the like really iconic episodes um and then timey wimey i'm gonna give this a one and a half it's basically got 
no time stuff. But what it does have for me, which I count as, you know, it's got this whole kind of alien race thing. I like that they sort of explained how it worked. And then there's sort of some uh, tie in here. You know, we've got this like Rose callback, which I'm assuming will pay off at some point down the line. And this Donna coming in as like a previous person that we've met, like it felt like very integrated within the story of Doctor Who. So I kind of bumped it up an extra half mark for that in terms of like kind of fitting within the universe of Doctor Who. So now we're really just like making this rating, whatever we feel like, um, just to really make <laughs> Adam's head explode. Yeah, I mean, whatever we feel like. There are, there are rules here, okay? We are, we are very <laughs> Yeah, but we never agreed rules. to them. Well, Basically, yeah. Kevin proposed a system. I agreed to it. Adam agreed to some completely different system <laughs> and then has been all upset ever since then that we aren't following his system that he invented. Listen, listen, the listeners agree. There are so many times I, I, I talk to, no, <laughs> to people on the streets and they're like, Adam, <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> um okay adam, way, on the street. <laughs> adam on oh no <laughs> um i am higher on this from a wibbly wobbly perspective for like a lot of reasons i think the donna all of that stuff shines for me so well just her personality the way that she is interacting with the scenes and with the doctor i have a 4.5 for this for wibbly wobbly i really like it i think this is up there in terms of like all-time doctor who episodes um uh, you know I, one of the best donna episodes one of the best season premieres as kevin was saying before really appreciated this that being said on the timey-wimey spectrum uh there is none there is there's there's nothing timey-wimey about this episode whatsoever like truly nothing and i wish that i could say that i would like just give this a zero um but i have to have this higher than daleks have had an evolution of the daleks so uh a 0.5 from me on this well, that, uh, that's the rose part of it uh, that's that's that could be a reasoning that technically is timey-wimey <laughs> yeah i mean i guess but like we don't even know it at the time so I, there's like almost nothing here timey-wimey to, to give me anything they maybe like the tardis being parked out by her car I, like i don't I, it's it's so shaky and so weak at best so 0.5 for me on timey-wimey yeah, I'm uh I think I'm kind of literally between the two of you here on on where we're landing for the episode. Uh I was debating whether to give it a 3.5 or 3.75 and I think I'm landing especially after talking about it with with you all and like the good parts. Uh I'm probably going 3.75 on Wibbly Wobbly. I think it's a very enjoyable episode. I do think it's a great kickoff to the season. There's a lot to really like. Is it the most mind-blowing plot and like really compelling stuff happening? No. But, like, the interactions and the character stuff and the comedy, I think, is really, really top-notch. So that, like, kind of boosts it up a little bit, which otherwise, I think, would be your run-of-the-mill three. So, like, that point seven five is really coming from, I think, the actors and their abilities to, to, to work off each other. Um, Timey-wimey, I'm, I'm also kind of low here. I think I'm probably going to give it a 1.5. There's stuff that I like that they play with a continuity, interestingly, in terms of, like, some timey-wimey stuff, like with Wilfred. Uh, the Rose of it all, uh, Donna coming back from a previous companion, like Melissa said. Like, I like those elements a lot. And the other big thing about 1.5 is Deanna Pose because they're so cute. So I'm going to give them some cuteness. Uh, is it is it timey-wimey? Not necessarily, but it is going to be for this. So uh, that's where I am, 1.5 there. Uh, where does that leave us, Adam? It leaves <laughs> us in pain, Kevin. Is where it leaves us. <laughs>
Honestly, uh, like making it more and more chaotic with the ratings is truly my goal. Now. It doesn't make sense. The, oh, okay. All right. The audience uh, agrees with me on Wibbly Wobbly. They're at uh, just over a 4.2. Uh, so pretty high on the episode overall. We do not get the audience into the four range very often, and it has not happened for quite a while uh, outside of Blink. So there you go. 4.2 from the audience, pretty high, leaving us at a 3.9 overall. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's up there for sure. And then uh, Wibbly Wobbly is certainly not as high. They're at a 1.3. So, uh, you know, uh, on on the low end, leaving us at a 1.2 overall. So the disparity between Tommy Wimey Wibbly Wobbly continues uh, as uh, people are much higher on the uh, Wibbly Wobbly than they are on the Tommy Wimey. I have a theory and I would love to at some point steal your spreadsheet and do some graphing with this because I have a theory that Tommy Wimey is more of a bimodal uh, rating than wibbly wobbly is i bet wibbly wobbly we have more like um bell curvy stuff but i bet you timey wimey is like either low or high and we have a hard time yeah. seeing what an episode looks like with like a three for timey wimey that's <laughs> true <laughs> real middle of the road time situation here it's where it's like there's a lot of time elements but it's not yeah. actually done super well is like maybe what three is but i think we would just maybe that maybe yeah. yeah i'm trying to think if there's an episode that is that and i feel like maybe I feel like somewhere there has to be, but I mean, Melissa has rated multiple episodes as a three for timey wimey. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We're talking uh, about Adam scale, I guess. If we're just, yeah, I'm talking about Adam scale. So. Oh, well, oh, now, now you... we're talking about Adam scale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you read, rated a single episode of three on timey wimey? Uh, yeah. Someone that you did utopia as well. Not very far away. Mm, not very, not yeah. very, uh, uh, you know, we, we covered that fairly recently. I kind of yeah, stand behind yeah. that. I think that tracks like middle of the yeah. road in terms of in terms of what I would call timey wimey, and yeah. clearly also of what you would call timey wimey. So exactly. there you go. So maybe we're not that different, Adam. Maybe we should all stop waiting and just. It's not as it fun, out. Melissa. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I, I'm I'm always yeah. down for a hug, but it's not as fun. Like I'm, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. we have to. What do people yeah. come to the podcast exactly. for if it's not yeah. for us bickering? The whole exactly. Time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, discussions about kilograms and and pounds, obviously, <laughs> and, and the different metric and imperial systems. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up for us this week on the Who Way podcast. Next week, though, we are continuing with our trend of doing episode by episode, practically, as we're doing Fires of Pompeii. It's Volcano Day, and we are going to have a blast. See what I did there? All right, until then, we will see you next time. All on Z! Z!